Go Deep. Welcome back to GDP Go Deep, the podcast. You can find us on most forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can also reach out to the cast, T.O. Big Show, Lord Fawn, Motorsports Mofo, Sturzy, Big Mikey, Astra Moon, and Sassy K. Thank you for your support and remember, always go deep. All right, folks, welcome back to GDP. I'm John Nothing Doe. And on today's show, we have someone you haven't heard in a long time. They've been dying to come on the show. But before I introduce who it is, folks, teespring.com. Come get our yoga pants if that's what you're into. Face masks, cover your damn mouth. Coronavirus is still out there. And hoodies and t-shirts like the famous blow dryer with the me on the end. I'll leave that for interpretation. You can get that all at the GDP Go Deep podcast, teespring.com store. There'll be a link in the description. Come on in, support us, like us. You don't have to buy our gear. Just follow us. And bringing us back to who's on the show, Alan Smithy. How are you, pal? Oh, man, I'm glad to be back. Happy holidays, brother. Yes, it is the holidays. And you said it right. It's the holidays. Go shopping on the site. Buy some merch. That's the best way to start off the holidays. For sure. Quality products, right? That's what it's all about. Quality products, man. And like you said, wear the damn mask. Yes. You know, even if you you don't believe it. And you know who else wears a mask? Who's that? That would be Darth Vader. Yeah, he does. With that hard breathing, too. (laughs) He was the, I mean, he's the first, the actual first mask wearer that you're like, yeah, that's legit. He's going to keep himself safe because he's evil. Yeah. He knew coronavirus was coming a long time ago. The Emperor. He knew everything was coming (laughs) along. It's that whole evil Jedi thing. So you know what else is festive? What else is festive? One of my favorite things in the whole world, and possibly the greatest television train wreck in the history of television, the Star Wars Holiday Special. Not the new Lego one, but the original Star Wars Holiday Special from 1978. Okay, this, so this is going to be a real train wreck, not even just an amateur one. No, and you know what? It, the holidays always reminds me of the Star Wars Holiday Special, and uh, I just, I, I'm so in love with this thing. And it's, it's very much a love-hate relationship, because this, this special is truly one of the worst things ever made. Not just Star Wars things ever made, but one of the worst television shows literally ever made in the history of television. Wow, that's And that's it's a train wreck, and man, I'm telling you, it's just so much fun to uh, to live and, and breathe this thing. <laughs> you saw a little bit of it, and it bored you to tears. You just, when you saw this, you couldn't believe how terrible this was, correct? So when you sent it to me, and I started watching it, I I might have had a beer or two, and yep. I was watching this, like, I, I just finished putting my kids to bed, so I'm, like, laying there on my stomach watching this, and I woke up this morning, and, and I'm not sure how far I went. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, and that is the beauty of the special. So... So let's take a let's take a trip back in time, shall we? Let's go back to the summer of 1978, early spring, early summer of 1978, and Star Wars, which had been out for about a year now, was literally captivating the planet. It was yeah. still in movie theaters because back then, uh, movies played in movie theaters for a long time, especially something as successful as Star Wars. And Star Wars was just starting to become the huge sort of worldwide joy that it is now and it was people loved it but there wasn't a lot out there so uh people were craving more star wars that makes sense so in the spring and the summer of 78 george lucas was starting a heavy pre-production on the empire strikes back he was writing it and he was planning it because they were going to start filming it in early 79 to get it out 
for 1980. So George's focus was strictly on The Empire Strikes Back, and he didn't really have time for uh, anything else. I'm so glad that you're, would, you're putting perspective on this, because I'm like, I don't think George would have made that uh, all right, that special. <laughs> right, and he was... So George, George Lucas, just to give a, a little bit of history, with respect to Star Wars, George Lucas was the most brilliant businessman in the history of uh, cinema or television or, or sort of uh, pop culture. Because when he uh, created Star Wars, he simply sold the rights for theatrical distribution to Fox for those first three movies. But everything else that Star Wars belonged to Lucas. So he owned everything to Star Wars. And if anybody wanted to do something Star Wars, to license Star Wars, he created this company called the Star Wars Corporation to license books, comic books, uh, toys, uh, everything. But Lucas owned everything. Wow. But on, on the flip side of that, because he was so focused on The Empire Strikes Back, he didn't really have time to to focus on getting anything else out the door. The toys were huge. Yes. So, and Fox, 20th Century Fox, loved the idea of pushing Star Wars and more Star Wars because they knew there was going to be a three-year gap between the first movie and The Empire Strikes Back, and they wanted to keep that. They wanted to keep enthusiasm for Star Wars going. So, in '78, they said, "What could we do about putting something on TV?" And this is where the whole this is where it started going right off the rails right <laughs> way. So, I wanna I wanna caution everyone who's listening today that I'm going to mention television shows and TV actors uh, and actors, not just television actors who are involved with the star Wars holiday special who have, have been dead for a long time now and TV shows that haven't been air on the air a long time names that you will hear. And you'll be like, who is that? Because this is so old and the people involved in the holiday special, even at the time the holiday special came out, were literally at the tail end of their career that, Anyone listening today, uh, unless you're old like me or or a um, sort of pop culture wow. historian, you'll be like, I, I have no idea who this is. I have no idea what television show you're talking about. But anyway, here we go. So in 78, um, the concept of the variety TV show, something like the Dean Martin show or uh, the Donnie and Marie show, Donnie and Marie Osmond. Yeah. So Christmas specials, the idea of a Christmas special is still enduring to this day. In 2020, we still love things like the Charlie Brown Christmas special, which was released in 1958, or movies like Christmas Vacation, which is over 30 years old. So oh, back in 78, so the idea of a Christmas special for Star Wars um, seemed to be a, a goldmine. So uh, 20th Century Fox uh, and CBS Television decided to get together and produce uh, a holiday special for Star Wars. And they approached George Lucas and they said, this is something we want to do. It'll keep Star Wars, uh, you know, fresh in people's minds. And George Lucas liked the idea for one reason, one reason only, that it would sell toys. So George had discovered that Star Wars toys were the biggest thing in the world for kids. And he thought, okay, I'll, I'll let them do this special because it'll probably sell more toys. It's Christmas time. Yeah. But he said, look it, I'm involved in The Empire Strikes Back. I can't really be involved in this project so here's an idea he wrote a, a very basic storyline and the storyline goes like this life day is going to be happening on chewbacca's home planet of kishik or yep. kazook depending on how you pronounce it and life day is the wookiee's version of christmas and han solo needs to get chewbacca back to his home planet and back to his family in time for life day but of course the empire is searching for them it's hard to do 
And that's basically the story. And George says, I want you to focus on Chewbacca's family. They're cute. Go, go for it. And the writers at CBS were basically like, that's all you're giving us? And George was like, yep, that's all I'm giving you. And they were like, uh, okay. Now, CBS at this time was big on the variety show. And as I said a few minutes ago, back in the 70s, it was sort of the waning days of the variety show. But they wanted to do something like that. Again, the, the executives at CBS didn't understand what a Star Wars is or what a Star Wars was all about. And they love calling it a Star Wars. Again, they're old men at this point. They're in their 50s and their 60s. They're TV executives. And they like Dallas. They like TV shows like Dallas. They like TV shows like Knott's Landing. They don't know the first thing about Star Wars. So what did they do to proceed this this train wreck from, from vaporizing all of television? They hired variety show people and comedy writers to write the Star Wars holiday special. Oh, man. Yeah. So you could already tell this was going to go downhill. They got stars like B. Arthur, who was very popular in a TV show in those days called Mod, which was a spinoff of a show called All in the Family. They got Harvey Corman, who was just coming off of doing the Carol Burnett show, also a variety show. And they got an actor named Art Carney to be sort of the centerpiece of the show. And Art Carney at this point was probably about 65 years old. And Art Carney... Uh, was a co-star of one of television's first shows, and I mean literally one of television's very first shows called The Honeymooners. And oh, wow. Art Carney started in show business before there was ever television. He started in vaudeville. So instead of getting young, popular, interesting actors, they got these sort of old has-beens with no connection to Star Wars who were comedy actors. Harvey Corman, B. Arthur, Art Carney, they're comedy. They're not classically trained actors like Peter Cushing from Star Wars, who's Grand Moff Tarkin, or Sir Alec Guinness, who's Obi-Wan Kenobi, who can provide drama and gravitas to their roles. No, they got comedy actors. So, it was their budget, I think. It was their, well, at the time, see, that's the, that's the hard thing to wrap your head around. At the time, this was already budgeted as one of the most expensive TV shows ever made. But it was just the, the lack of understanding of what Star Wars was by the writers and by the executives that, that sort of allowed them to hire these people to do this. So to make matters worse, um, the moment this got the green light, they sent out information to the affiliates and advertisers saying, okay, we're going to run a Star Wars special. It might be a half an hour, maybe an hour. Well, because Star Wars was so popular at the time, Every, every affiliate across the country wanted in. And more importantly, advertisers. There was a lineup around the block of advertisers to be part of this. And <laughs> CBS just saw dollar signs. And so they said, okay, you know what? It's not going to be half an hour. It's going to be an hour. And the advertisers still said, no, 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 no. We want more. And CBS thought, oh, my God, this is going to be a windfall. And it was because the advertisers paid millions of dollars for advertising on the Star Wars special. So CBS bumped it up to two hours. This, oh. Yeah, that, this is why the primary reason that this was an, a, a trade, two reasons why this is a train wreck. Number two, number one, they had comedy performers centering, anchoring the show. Number two, it was two hours. And the writers were like, how are we going to fill two hours? Oh, well, let me tell you, buddy. They filled two hours, oh, two hours of 
just the worst television ever made. So it moved along. So they had two hours to fill, and they, they got together the original cast. Um, most of them we're fine with it. Most of them were, were still very young actors. Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford were, were very, very young in their career. Mark Hamill at this point had really only done three movies. Uh, Carrie Fisher uh, was just the beginning of her career. Same thing with Harrison Ford. Carrie Fisher's stipulation for doing this was that she could sing a song. And I wish I was making this up, but Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia sings a ballad in this special, like <laughs> full on singing. Like it just, I, I can't even conceptualize this, but she does. Harrison Ford was Harrison Ford being always the sort of the smartest actor of the whole group realized that star Wars was a stepping stone for him. And that he would have to put up with this crap for a little bit longer to give him the sort of artistic freedom to do what he wants. So reluctantly he agreed to do this. Mark Hamill was happy to do it because he's just happy to be part of star Wars. Yeah. But if you watch at the very beginning of the special when they're introducing the actors, Harrison Ford briefly looks at the camera, sort of breaking the fourth wall, and you can just see the disdain and the pain in his face for his realization that he's making this piece of crap, that he's involved with this piece of crap. <laughs> just that two seconds when it flashes to Harrison Ford and he sort of does this sort of fingered salute to the camera, just that look in his face just is so emblematic of everything that goes wrong in this special. <laughs> so they film it, and it's in a can, and in mid-November of 1978, this thing hits the air. I it's two hours long. The scene it's, reaction. And it has, like, just, just, the, just the facial expressions. Just <laughs> I, I don't even, like, I, I just I feel for these people. I just I, feel for them. I could see the kids sitting in front of the TV so excited that this is going to come on. And the parents are sitting there with their kids. And everybody's stopping and looking at each other like, what in God's green earth is this? <laughs> oh, man. Well, I, I got to be honest. Okay, so I was eight years old. Like I, I said in my last time I was on the show, I'm a real old-timey Star Wars fan. I'm 50. And I was there right at the beginning. So I saw the original in 77 in the theater. So in November of 78, I was eight years old. And... The fact that there was Star Wars coming on TV was the greatest thing in the world. So being eight, you will sit through crap to see a few moments of brilliance. So I'm thinking, this is Han Solo and it's got Luke Skywalker. And I remember viscerally watching this show and sitting through basically an hour and a half of crap for the half hour of sort of the seeing Han Solo again, seeing Luke Skywalker again, seeing the animated cartoon that's in the middle of this thing. And just not appreciating just how bad it was. Because, again, Eight years back in 78, there's no PBRs. You can't pause this. You can't record this and watch it later. You're either sitting down watching this thing or you're just not watching it at all. <laughs> so at eight, eight years old, it, I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. It is two hours filled with uh, about a half an hour of the main actors playing their Star Wars characters. And a good hour and 20 minutes of Chewbacca's family uh, in their home on the planet of Kazook or Kushiak, uh doing domestic things. And I, I, wish, I wish I could describe it anything differently, but literally you're introduced to Chewbacca's wife, Mala, uh, some uh, son, uh, Lumpy, and his uh, father. And they spend the entire show waiting for Chewbacca to arrive. The entire holiday special is them sitting around the house doing domestic things. <laughs> 
that's it. That's the holiday special. Oh man, that's so, a treat. That is a real treat. It, it's just it's awful. So for example, they had so much time to fill that they had uh, a cooking show. You find out that Harvey Corman, this this legendary comedian from the Carol Burnett show, dresses up uh, as a four armed woman chef in the, in the mold of Julia Child and does a cooking, uh, <laughs> like a Gordon Ramsay type cooking uh, lesson for Chewbacca's wife that is literally 10 minutes long. Like you just, it's not like two minutes yeah. or four minutes. It's 10 minutes long. There are long, long stretches of Chewbacca's wife and her son talking to each other. And all it is is Chewbacca sounds. There's no subtitles because again, the writer's, didn't have a clue what what was going on, so they didn't subtitle it. Like, just the director said to the actor, make those Chewbacca sounds. So here we, we have 20 minutes of people. That's exactly, it's just like 20 minutes of like, no context, nothing. It's just, it's just terrible. This goes on. There's, there's a couple of music videos. There's uh, a music video by a band called, uh, Jefferson Starship. So Jefferson Airplane, back in the late 60s, created such psychedelic songs as White Rabbit and were hugely popular. But in the in the late 70s, the lead uh, singer of uh, Jefferson Airplane decided to take it into the 70s and rename the band uh, Jefferson Starship. And later in the 80s, they became Starship. So they, they had a music video in there. There was an actress and singer named Diane Carroll who created a semi-pornographic type <laughs> video for Chewbacca's father, and there's very strong sexual overtones. As much as you can get on television in the eight and this in the seventies for Chewbacca, you just have to see you just have to sort of fast forward through the YouTube video. So like a prototype of Pornhub. It's just uh, yeah that's well that's right. It's 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 Wookiee Pornhub and I didn't know what I was watching when I was a kid, but when I went back to watch this later on, I'm like, holy shit. Wow, this is really sexualized. Yeah. Uh, a little more than I can expect. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. So, <laughs> I'm, I was very uncomfortable. Oh, so man. at the end of the day, Han Solo does manage to uh, get Chewbacca home and they celebrate Life Day and, and the show ends. <laughs> but it's just two hours of, of pure and utter uh, nonsense and and. and just worst television ever produced. I, I can't even so imagine what the uh, oh man the uh, advertisers like I, felt like after when they dropped all that money and then they seen the final product and they're probably like, what in the fuck was that? Oh well, here's the worst part about this is that everyone at the studio and everyone at CBS felt that this was going to be just a huge success. It turns out it was a television flop because, like what you said, the parents are watching with the kids. And unlike my parents, who let me just watch the whole thing, apparently most of the parents turned the TV off or switched the channel after the first hour because it was one of the lowest rated shows of the week. And it was beat by shows like The Love Boat. The Love Boat beat the Star Wars Holiday Special. And if you're listening and you don't know what The Love Boat is, just Google The Love Boat. It, I, that's another story for another time. But yeah, The Love Boat beat the Star Wars Holiday Special. So this was... Just such a creative and artistic failure that it has been renounced by everyone. I guess so. Well, you know, they they try to, like, um, revamp it with the new one. So the new one doesn't have um, a highly sexualized theme by no means. And <laughs> no. thankfully not. It's done. No, there is no, there is no weird, creepy, creepy sexualized video, uh, music video in the new one. No, no. The, 
the new one, the Lego one, is just adorable. It's just, yes. it's, and that's what the Christmas special should be. But uh, so it's got an interesting premise, and if you don't got Disney Plus and uh, you're a Star Wars buff, you might want to get it just to check it out. It's not that long. I think it's like 48 minutes, maybe 50 minutes long. And yeah. I watched most of it, and they they use a lot. They use some references actually. I mean, it's, this they is a do. life day. There's, uh, yeah. they're trying to get things ready for Chewbacca's family and. Uh, uh, Ray's in there, Kylo Ren, and, and Finn's in there. Yes, it's, it's it's a good it's a good way of connecting. It, the the new Lego holiday special is just delightful, and there's nothing boring about it. It's just it's just a lot of fun. No, so, it, it is a lot of fun actually. I, it, it's cool because uh, I never knew about this crystal that is in the Star Wars uh, mythology, I guess if you will. Or if it's yeah. you know it's handled by a Jedi, you can actually travel space and time. So during different periods of uh, Star Wars and stuff. Yeah, there's a, there is a concept, and that was brought forward in the the animated show, The Clone Wars, that at a sort of higher level of Jedi existence, you you were able to, to sort of uh, travel through space and time. So and again, they did it right. Like I give I give tremendous credit to Disney. And I give tremendous credit to creators like John Favreau and Dave Filoni, who are responsible for The Mandalorian, for oh, yeah. uh, The Clone Wars, for Rebels, for for treating Star Wars with such reverence and respect, and yet being able to pull off something like the Lego Holiday Special, which is joyful and fun and tongue-in-cheek, but also very much rooted in the Star Wars universe. The original Holiday Special, I will say one thing. <laughs> There's a very brief part of it, so the the idea, and I, again, George Lucas has never really wanted to talk about the holiday special uh, over the years. He's been quoted um, as saying he wish he could destroy it <laughs> and destroy all copies of it. But the the only redeeming, the only watchable part of the holiday special was a very short animated Star Wars adventure that takes place between um, The Empire Strikes Back and Star Wars that seems like it was a backdoor pilot for a Saturday morning cartoon. It was it was done ironically by a Canadian Toronto based animation company called Nelvana. Huh. And Nelvana would uh, yeah, it's it's Toronto connection to to Star Wars. They would go on in the eighties to do the cartoon droids and the cartoon Ewoks. But they did this they did this cartoon special and what it did was it introduced a character called Boba Fett to the Star Wars universe. And the cartoon had um, all the, the original actors doing the voices. And was it's not great, but it's not a train wreck. It was, it was fun and it's interesting. And there's a, there's a very small connection to the Mandalorian in this. And wow. you can tell that, as I mentioned, Dave Filoni yeah. and John Favreau uh, have such reverence for even terrible things like the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> <laughs> if you watch the animated, you'll see that Boba Fett has a very long gun that looks like it has a fork on the end of it. And you'll say to yourself, that looks a lot like the gun the Mandalorian uses, his long rifle. And it is. It's the same uh, when, when they were designing, doing pre-production design for the Mandalorian. They went back and they said, this is the very first instance we're seeing of a Mandalorian and we're going to use his rifle. We're going to bring that rifle forward and uh, give it to... Um, to the Mandalorian to use. And so a little 
that little drawing on history was very sweet. It is sweet. I like when people take the time, and we've discussed that the last time we discussed the Mandalore, how those two gentlemen yeah. have really taken the time and really like handled this the way you got to handle something of this magnitude because you don't want it to be another Christmas <laughs> special, right? With with rever- with reverence, they they have. They have such reverence for the Star Wars history, even sort of the terrible parts of it. So the reverence, so so the the legend surrounding the uh, the the holiday special is that Disney bought everything from George Lucas of Star Wars, but the holiday special. That's the urban legend: is that he sold everything except for the rights to the holiday special, which he intends to keep until he's dead and never pass on the rights to this thing. He basically never wants it to see the light of day. And the interesting thing is that uh, when Fox bought or when Disney bought the Star Wars assets, Disney's very, very good from a copyright perspective on hunting down all illegal copies of anything and everything. And yet the Star Wars holiday special, a really good quality version still exists on YouTube and has not been flagged by Disney for copyright infringement. That to me says that Lucas still owns it and doesn't give a crap. And Fox, I'm sorry, Disney can't touch it. So thankfully we, we have it. It's still on YouTube for now. And that uh, you can go watch the Star Wars holiday special and all of its painful two hour existence. We'll try to remember um, when we're posting this up on Podbean to uh, put a link to it for the YouTube uh, link rather. So that you guys can yeah. uh, watch this glorious train wreck as it unfolds. That that and there's two articles. There's two great articles. Most of my uh, research is from besides my own memory. There's an article written in Esquire magazine on the Star Wars holiday special, and then Vanity Fair did one on the Star Wars holiday special. So those two magazine articles provided a lot of background on how production took place and just all the all the hell and and horror that uh, entailed again taking a variety comedy variety show like uh, merging a comedy variety show and star wars in the worst possible way gives you the star wars holiday special and it is such a glorious awful train wreck <laughs> talking about happy holidays yeah <laughs> sorry i can't stop laughing because it's it's absolutely hilarious how this uh, this even came about right but going back we talked about star uh, the mandalore the last time you were on so now yeah. if you don't mind i'd love to just pick your brain on how you're feeling about season two thus far, man. Uh, so, how much of the how much of the new season? I remember you saying that you've only watched a little bit, or we're waiting to watch. How much of the Mandalorian uh, season two have you seen? I'm waiting for the next episode to come out, <laughs> dude. Yes, it is so good. I cannot tell you just how much I love. Uh, the Mandalorian. How much as a as a as a Star Wars fan? How and I mentioned this the last time I was on your show. Yep. Uh, how well the whole concept of the Mandalorian works as a, as a broad piece of entertainment that pulls in Star Wars fans and non Star Wars fans. As I mentioned uh, the last time I was on your show, my wife loves the Mandalorian. Like Friday, she's like, "We got to watch this." My wife, not oh, a wow. Star Wars fan, but loves the Mandalorian, or as I like to call it, the Baby Yoda show. What do they so, call him again? It's it Grukin? Is it Grukin? Grogu. Grogu. Oh, Grogu. Grogu. Oh man, they got it right this year for uh, the Gro the Grogu uh, toys over at uh, Walmart. It's like a have you of... seen all the again? This is what Star Wars does best. And Lucas did it when Lucas owned it. Merchandising and just there is Baby Yoda. I have I have a pair of Me Undies Grogu Baby Yoda underwear. They're just the greatest <laughs> thing. 
ever. So yeah, you just uh, there's Baby Yoda everywhere, and the merchandise again. That's what sort of that's what's bringing the people in. People watch the Mandalorian yep. because it's exciting, and they watch it for Baby Yoda. It's just it's a perfect television show. So I think this season, buddy, it's all about fan service from Boba Fett. As I was saying to my wife when we were watching the show, it the fact that Boba Fett, you're seeing Boba Fett in action. You're seeing is cleaned up armor. You're seeing Slave One. For an old school fan, it is just it is a dream come true. You you never, you know, that Return of the Jedi. And we can talk about Return of the Jedi. Really deserves its own podcast. But um, the uh, the fact that Boba Fett was handled so poorly in Return of the Jedi, and that for 40 years people have been clamoring for some sort of clarity on what happened to Boba Fett and not only did they clear it up but they've just they've just made him he is Boba Fett is the badass that every Star Wars fan growing up in the 80s knew he would be yeah. and uh just unbelievable no it, it is unbelievable and the whole season itself like watching it unfold like getting the guy that went to, to prison and grabbing yeah. him to do that last mission Mayfield yes is that Mayfield um... I'm trying to think. The actor, he looks like um, Bill Bill so, that, uh, Bill Burr. Yes, it is him. I was so like, he is so he is Bill Burr is, is a he's a comedian. Like it's yeah. funny, and this is this is a great way to tie this in. You can hire comedians to work in the Star Wars universe, and they can pull it off very so well. So Bill Burr is a comedian in the Star Wars universe who pulls it off. Whereas Art Carney, 40 years ago, not so much. But yeah, Bill Burr uh, got his start on the Dave Chappelle show. Yep. And was one of these um, uh, sort of background um, uh, character actors on the on the Dave Chappelle show. Bill Burr does great stand-up. Oh, yeah. And his character Mayfield is just, it's just great, you know? 100%. Got... He, he sells that part. Like, if you, if you, you couldn't imagine the part he plays without him. Can you imagine feeling sympathetic towards an Imperial soldier? Like that's what, that's what really did it for me uh, yeah. is that his, the, how he, he, I just think he acted the hell out of that. The, this most recent episode, he was just so, you felt sorry for him. You felt his pain. Um, you know, when he shot his former commanding officer, oh, yeah. uh, you just, it was so, so good. Yeah. He's a tremendous, he's a tremendous actor. And, uh, He's just part and parcel of all the outstanding acting. Again, great acting can save a mediocre TV show. Great acting can save a mediocre movie. Yep. But great acting, when combined with great writing, you get something like The Mandalorian. Just unbelievable. You know and what fan I, service, brother. Yes, the fan like, service and the Easter eggs in that, uh, that TV the, show are just phenomenal. The, the first episode of this season with the Tusken Raiders. Like, I grew up loving the Tusken Raiders. But again, for 40, 50 years, they've been a mystery. How do they talk? Like, and the last time I was on your show, I talked about how exciting it was to see um, an IG uh, assassin droid like IG-88 yep. or in the Mandalorian's case, IG-11. You know, how they move, how they act, how they react. Same thing with Tusken Raiders. You saw a very brief bit in the original Star Wars. You saw a very brief bit in uh, the prequel trilogy. But this this episode, the first episode of the season, really fleshed them out. You know, you're back on Tatooine. Um, you're, it's involving the Tusken Raiders. Yep. That's just beautiful. You know, you go forward a few episodes, you've got Ahsoka Tano. Now, as I said last time I was on your show, 
I'm not a huge fan of uh, the Clone Wars. I don't really have any uh, emotional connection to it. I, I, I think it's great. And if you love the Clone Wars, all the power to you. Uh, it's just not my thing. So I, I can't really speak of it um, with the reverence that it deserves. But Ahsoka Tano, for people that love the Clone Wars and Rebels, is a huge character. And the fact that she's been brought to life, huge, huge uh, service for the fans. Boba Fett being, being brought back, huge service for the fans. Oh, yeah. So they're, you know, they're just killing it with, with The Mandalorian, just providing just an outstanding television show. I don't know if you and sit great bit at for the, the holidays end. as well. No, it is a great bit yeah. for the holidays. You're correct. I don't know if you sit there and watch while they're doing the credits. I kind of find myself watching the credits because I love the art concept that they show for this show. I do. I do. I'm right with you on that, brother. We sit all the way through because the concept art is just, it's just gorgeous. Beautiful absolutely beautiful like i i i'm waiting because i'm sure this stuff will start like funneling its way out to people like you know with their merchandising team and stuff like i could just see sure. some of that stuff being spread like a big one of those big pictures kind of being spread out between four canvases kind of thing like yeah. i, can see a lot of I don't know if there's a coffee table book yet but i'm sure it's <laughs> coming i'm sure the the behind the scenes art the concept art for the mandalorian that sort of would make a, a tremendous coffee table book oh yeah that'd be amazing yep. I could just think yeah. of all the different applications you could you could do this with. You know what I mean? And Star Wars has always been really good for concept art. The original, uh, you know, the original series had uh, a tremendous concept art that to this day still looks gorgeous. And it, Star Wars uh, just has a really rich history of uh, pre-production paintings that that are just absolutely mind blowing on their own. You know, it's just it's it's these pieces of art stand on their own as pieces of art. Uh, Despite the fact that they're Star Wars, it's just they're gorgeous. And yeah, that is one of the set. That's what makes you watch The Mandalorian literally from start to finish. Is you know at the end you're going to get that beautiful concept art. Oh yeah, it just makes it worth it. I just lo- I just love seeing what's in their minds when they're uh, doing that. It's yeah. kind of like when you see the artist's like perception, and then like how close the directing and and the editing and all that came to actually making that scene come exactly the way the artist had like made it on the concept art is just delicious. And that's a sign, you know, from a production standpoint, that's a sign that, that all the pieces of the puzzle fit together so nicely. When you see that the final finished concept looks identical to the con, it's a, if you can, if you can produce a TV show or a movie where the final product looks like they did the concept art after they made the movie, that's a seamless production. And that's how the Mandalorian looks. You, you watch the show and then you see the production art and you think they did the paintings after the after the episode was done, when in reality it's the other way around, that's the sign of a perfect perfect production. It's absolutely amazing. Before we wrap this yeah. bad boy up, I'm going to ask yep. you, what's your favorite Christmas movie besides this? <laughs> well, brother, let me tell you, my favorite Christmas movie of all time is a little Bill Murray vehicle released in 1988 called Scrooged. Okay, Scrooge. and I'm a I'm a I'm a huge Bill Murray fan, and Bill Murray. Bill Murray has all the holidays covered. Let's be honest. He's Groundhog got Day, spring holidays with Groundhog Day. <laughs> and he's got uh, Halloween with Ghostbusters, and he's got Christmas with Scrooge. Bill Murray is a man for all seasons. Love that guy. Let's be honest here. No, Scrooge. Um, uh, I've loved Bill Murray um, as long as I can remember television and, and movies. And when Scrooge came out in '88, I went to see it in the theaters, and it was just a just an amazing experience and it's the one christmas movie that i i can quote uh, you know christmas vacation a christmas story they're sort of my holy trinity 
but Scrooge brother is just the one that does it for me. I, I just, the, just what a, what a piece of crap Frank Cross is and his redemption story. Just, I, it's the, I, again, I could do a whole episode of you, uh, uh, with you on just Scrooge and just throwing it random lines. Like, have you tried staples? Ooh, <laughs> Ooh she's pretty like just everything, <laughs> just everything about Scrooge. You know, when they do the promo and the heartwarming promo for the Scrooge special and then Bill Murray's like, oh, maybe I'll do something like this. Yeah. And it's like, you know, with the highway violence, the, the shooting and, and the heroin addiction. Yeah. That to me is just tremendous. Now, a, a quick little fun trivia fact okay. about Scrooge. Frank Cross's character, the way he looks at the screen, the way uh, sort of when he's, uh, what I mean by looks at the screen, when he's in um, their, uh, Frank's office, when they're viewing uh, the Scrooge promo, his character, the look and feel of his character was, was patterned off of a legendary Canadian television mogul named Moses Zenimer. And Moses started City TV and Speaker's Corner and Much Music. And if you were around and, and knew sort of Much Music and City TV in the 80s, and you were to watch clips of Moses Zenimer and then quickly flip over to Scrooge, you'd be like, yeah, there we go. That's the inspiration. Wow. And that's just a little, again, a little Toronto connection to the movie Scrooge. So, yeah, Frank Cross, man. That's just, amazing. Uh, Merry Christmas. Yeah, again, the other thing I want to, well, well, we're on the topic of Christmas movies. I, I want to put my voice forward. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. <laughs> you can hear me clapping in the background. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Ho, ho, ho. Now I have a machine gun. There's a lot of debate over Die Hard, whether it's a Christmas movie, but let's be honest. And last night, um, my family and I, we watched uh, Home Alone. Yes. There is as much or more violence in Home Alone as there is in Die Hard. Easily. And they're, they're basically the two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Die Hard is a violent Christmas movie for adults. Home Alone is a violent Christmas movie for adults. Yeah. <laughs> like, think, or for children. Think about that. What what Kevin McAllister does to the Wet Bandits yep. in terms of violence, whether it's a flamethrower, whether it's stepping on glass, is a direct parallel to what John McClane does to the terrorists in Nakatomi Plaza. It is a complete, like, <laughs> they are parallels, uh, one's for children, one's for adults, both christmas movies i think the only one you're missing out of this bunch is my other favorite yeah and that's uh national lampoon's family va uh, christmas vacation yeah so i have uh, basically in our house uh we have a holy trinity it's um scrooged christmas vacation and uh a christmas story okay. so christmas vacation is is uh, just an, uh, a classic there's, yeah. there's no two ways about it it is the quintessential Christmas movie. Again, my partner and I, we could just look at each other and my partner will say, why is the carpet wet, Todd? I don't <laughs> know, Margo. <laughs> I love, again, I, I don't know what it is about my affinity for assholes in Christmas movies, but I love Todd and Margo and I love Frank Cross from Scrooge. I just, if, if you're an asshole in a Christmas movie, I'm on your side. I just, some, just, I find something endlessly endearing about uh, Todd and Margot. But yeah, we just we watched a Christmas story last weekend, 
and uh, we watched Home Alone last night. So yeah, it's just the season, my friend, for uh, all 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 uh, pop culture uh, the holiday thing. Yeah. How about you? What's your favorite holiday movie? Well, National Lampoon's Vacation, uh, Family Vacation, Christmas, or whatever it's called. That's that's yeah. I watch that one every year on Christmas Day. That's just my thing. For some reason, like it is, you know, people want to be like sentimental. I want to watch people fucking emptying the shitter. <laughs> you know that's I mean? totally that's totally cousin Eddie. Just yeah. and it's it's kind of scary. Like you know, from from a from a sort of a, a a personal note, Randy Quaid, the actor, you know, the last decade or so has sort of gone off the deep end, and he released a video on Twitter a few weeks back involving the 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 U.S. presidential. Uh, election oh, no. that was kind of scary and kind of creepy and it's you know it's one of these things randy quaid is one of these people much like kevin spacey where you have to decide you know you can appreciate the the art with, with and you have to separate that from the artist itself you can enjoy a movie like christmas vacation even though even though you know randy quaid may not be uh, the nicest person in the world for the same reason you can enjoy a show like House of Cards or a movie like American Beauty with knowing how awful a person Kevin Spacey is. So he really yeah, played those I, roles I, well too. Yeah, cousin Eddie is just, just one of the greatest characters ever put on film. Just <laughs> you know, just again, Christmas Vacations is one of these movies that I'll use lines from the whole year through. So oh, yeah. you know, someone will some someone will you know present a gift and I'll be like, you know, Clark, that's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year through. It's just you know the whole that whole Jelly of the Month Club line is just the the greatest thing in the world. Can I can I refill your eggnog? Can I drive you to the middle of nowhere and leave you for dead like this? Yeah. Now here's the funny thing about Christmas Vacation. Uh, produced by John Hughes of the Breakfast Club fame, yeah. of Home Alone fame. But much like Home Alone, John Hughes did not direct Christmas Vacation. Uh, it was a guy named Jonathan Chichuk, something like that. I, my apologies to anyone who's listening. Um, j- j- my point is that uh, John Hughes gets credit for directing Christmas Vacation, when in reality, he, he didn't actually direct Christmas Vacation. Same thing with Home Alone. Uh, Chris Columbus directed it. It was written and produced by uh, John Hughes, but uh, not not uh, directed by John. Wow, you learn something new every day. Well, here, you know what, I'm just going to look up. I feel very disrespectful now for uh, the director of Christmas Vacation, so just let me find out. <laughs> okay. who, who directed I don't want to. Oh, Jeremiah uh, Chechik is the director of... Uh, Christmas vacation. So yeah, just that, that is a family classic. Now, what do you think of a Christmas story? Is that, is that on your list of uh, things to watch? I've watched it. I remember liking it. I can't recall it for love nor money at this very moment, to be perfectly honest. You'll, you'll shoot your eye out kid. So it's about the, the kid in, in uh, Cleveland or living on Cleveland street in, uh, in Indiana in the fifties who really wanted the red rider BB gun for Christmas. Okay, it's starting to ring a little bit of a bell now. We're yeah, getting, we're getting there. Yeah, that's it's it's on it's on the American television station TBS. They've been running it for 25 years now, <laughs> and basically, in order to give um, the the people who work at the television station the Christmas holidays off, what they do is they they literally movie put the movie on repeat for almost 48 hours. <laughs> so they just they just they literally they they have someone puts it on repeat and it repeats on the, on air over and over again for almost 48 hours uh, over over Christmas Day 
uh, in, on TBS every year, and it's just amazing. So you can be, you know, preparing your Christmas dinner, turn the TV on, you'll catch a little bit of Christmas story, you'll come back, and it's it's still going, man. It's going all the time. So yeah, I I, I totally recommend you you watch that if you haven't seen that in a long, long time. Watch a Christmas story. That's where you know the tongue gets the kid's tongue gets stuck to the pole. Yep. That's where uh, talking about shooting your eye with the Red Rider BB gun. Uh, again, just a just a heartwarming adventure of a dysfunctional family over Christmas, which is absolutely realistic in all all senses. If you think about it, <laughs> uh, that's true. I mean, if your Christmas doesn't involve a dysfunctional family, are you really having a Christmas? Are you even really in a family? <laughs> are you see. even really in a family? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great that's a great way to wrap up the podcast, brother. Happy holidays. That's it. Folks, please don't forget, you can check us out at the teespring.com store. We got the yoga pants, we got t-shirts, we got hoodies, we got masks, we got everything you possibly need to send. This is great uh, great quality stuff, actually. I've got a couple. I'll post them online in the Instagram account for you all to see. I know uh, Mofo just popped his t-shirt up on there. And there's a lot of people that have bought it, and they've been sending us pictures. And thank you very much for supporting the team. Alan Smithy. Thank you very much for joining us and telling Buddy, us. Happy holidays. All the very best over this holiday season to you and, and your family. And uh, I wish you nothing but all the best and all the love. And we'll talk to you in the new year. Same, brother. Thanks Every, for having me on, brother. Anytime. Remember, folks, always go deep. Go deep. Welcome back to GDP Go Deep, the podcast. You can find us on most forms of social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can also reach out to the cast. T.O. Big Show, Lord Fawn, Motorsports Mofo, Sturzy, Big Mikey, Astro Moon, and Sassy K. Thank you for your support and remember, always go deep.